We are back for another episode of the Inclusion Solution Live. If you've been following us, um, you know that we are uh, towards the tail end of our everyday people, everyday stories, everyday lives during a global pandemic series. I am so excited um, to be joined today by Stephanie Harris, um, someone who just by uh, me reading more about her, learning about her story, um, personifies um, resilience, um, power, um, is very passionate about the work and really supporting folks in their lives to just lighten the load of life, um, stress, get more in touch with their why. Uh, more than anything, Stephanie is an everyday person who's been living during this global pandemic. Stephanie, I am super, super excited to have you join us today. Thank you, I'm excited to be here. Yes, and so um, y'all, we're gonna we're gonna uh, get started and jump right on in. Um, so I first came in in contact with Stephanie by way of uh, Mary Frances Winters, our president and CEO, um, having learned that uh, Stephanie's um, husband was impacted by um, COVID nineteen. Since me and Stephanie, y'all, we're recording this, what, 6, 10, June 10th, a lot has happened, right? Our yes. um, current climate, right? We're not only dealing with the pandemic, but we're also dealing with racism and its manifestations really being visible in the mainstream. Certainly not new, but vis visible. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that today and how it shows up and how we feel um, and even in the, the toll uh, sort of like the physiological toll as well. And so, Stephanie, if you could kind of kick us off just sharing a little bit more about yourself. Um, one thing I've been asking folks is to share a little bit more about, you know, who they are and those aspects of their identity that's like really uh, influencing this moment in time or how they're experiencing this moment in time. Well, again, thank you for having me. It's been a very dynamic identity, I would have to say. Uh, I really identified as a COVID advocate. I was on Facebook and my post went viral because I was basically explaining to people, look guys, I'm healthy, I'm fine, but I'm spreading it. And mm -hmm. so people need to really take this seriously. So that was my main motivation. Um, but as time has gone on and I realized that the effects of this, for lack of a better word, civil of unrest has created so much stress and a recur re recurrence, I should say, of, of trauma. And we are now in a place right here today, we, we're dealing with it sort of doing like this. So the most important takeaway for my identity is I wanna think of myself as a wellness advocate, but more importantly, a mindset management shifter. And that's how basically this whole thing has manifest for me. I was in the travel and entertainment business. That got put on the back burner. This came to the mm -hmm. forefront because now I can actually help people and move people along with really understanding that what they think about, you really become that in fact. That's something I grew up hearing about and I didn't get it. And then finally it dawned on me, huh, my father in 1951 graduated from Howard University 
Okay, I'm an electrical you. engineer, HU, <laughs> and um, <laughs> me too. And he went out to work for Boeing in 1951 at a time when nobody was hiring Negro engineers. And when he told me his story, it was all about his mindset. It never occurred to him to not do that. So if you can apply those same principles to your stress, your wellness, and still advocate, still protest, still stand in front of what you believe. This is not about mitigating it. It's about creating some synergy so that you don't deteriorate who you are. Because the anger is real. Mm. The rage is real. We went from COVID, which kept us with a loss of freedom and flexibility, a loss of connection, the people who have young children, and they're trying to do the work, and the the kids, there was a little bit of (laughs) overconnection. We went from just a loss of a lot. And in that, we became very selfish for the obvious reason. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up losing our ability to be empathetic because it was all about me, me, me. And so Mm -hmm. now here we are with things opening up and then the protest, and it's like the perfect soup for a lot of what I consider to be mass pandemonium energetically. So as a collective consciousness, and that's the unified field of all of us together, why we all hurt the same, feel the same, laugh the same, all of that is the unified field of consciousness. It's why the unified field of consciousness right now is so confused because there's so much rage and hurt and anger. And all of that in the end will disrupt your immune system. And if you break down the word disease, it really is dis-ease. So I consider myself a person who is a light worker, always working to get people to vibrate a little higher and understand that we have to be in charge of our consciousness, even in the midst, or particularly in the midst of this kind of upheaval. Mm-hmm. And so I want, it's so funny you bring up the, um, you know, the, the impact that all of this has on our bodies. So the last episode we had Dr. Calvin on and he talked about, yeah, it's yeah, like specifically for black people, like cortisol levels, stress levels, you know, blood sugar, levels, all these things can be amplified or exacerbated based on like what we're experiencing, but moreover, what I'm hearing you say, also based on how we manage that, right? Yeah. And so yeah. um, I kind of want to get personal and if we could kind of backtrack uh, backtrack a bit. And so like, what was it, right? Cause I want to um, talk a little bit about um, how you were able to want, one, manage like personally being impacted by COVID, right? Um, like what that was like, and then even like having to like shift gears in your you know career, um, and then on top of that, you throw in um, Stephanie. Where geographically are you located? Uh, right now, I'm in College Park, Maryland. I generally right <laughs> most right of the time. DC, I'm in, uh, right? <laughs> yep, I'm in the DMV. Uh, generally, most of the time, I'm in Pompano Beach, Florida, right next to Fort Lauderdale. So, so, so even in, so in the midst of, so even, so if anyone's in the, in the DMV area, really across the nation, um, the civil unrest, the um, rebellions are very top of mind um, right now. And so I'm just interested in, you know, what has all of that been like for you? Um, you know, what have been the challenges? How have you personally overcome them? Because I think there's probably something there for our listeners to you know, experience for themselves or maybe apply, you know, for themselves. Well, as I started off talking about advocacy, that main advocacy point was around getting Mark tested. 
because as you know, and Mark is your Mark is I'm sorry, Mark is my husband. Sorry, <laughs> yes, my <laughs> husband Mark. And and the short story is we were in um, Sun Valley, uh, Idaho. Some of you may have seen on a number of the news channels the fact that a number of the African American skiing community they were affected adversely from all being together in Idaho the last week of February. So we got back to Papano Beach on uh, March the 6th and 7th, actually, and Mark was visibly ill. And so I thought, well, maybe we're just partying too much. You know, we were having a good time. And then by the second day, I saw him deteriorate. And so I started mm -hmm. calling around and trying to get help, and I wasn't getting anywhere. I was literally being told we don't have any kits quick. And so it dawned on me there, there has to be a way to get past the rejection, quote, unquote, so I finally was told to call primary care and not to mention COVID. And that's what I did. We got him in, we got him tested. And then once we got to the ER later that evening, they started talking about, well, you haven't been to Wuhan, you haven't been here, you haven't been there. And I said, yes, but I've been in five airports in the past six days. Mm -hmm. It's Friday. And last Friday, I left Utah. I went, I'm sorry, Salt Lake, went to Utah, then to Atlanta, then to Fort Lauderdale. I don't know where those people were. Do you? Mm -hmm. I don't know what airport. I. So then he started to think about it. And I said, look, you have to test my husband. And oh, I'm not leaving until you do. So you really <laughs> have to advocate. Like you oh, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. you really have to advocate. Yeah. I did. And, and, and it got so bad because they masked me because they didn't know if I had pneumonia or what. I was feeling fine. But mm -hmm. my husband was definitely sick and he definitely had pneumonia. And it was a secondary pneumonia to COVID as we're now learning the uh, COVID virus attacks your immune system, and often the lung exacerbation is a secondary bacterial infection or something worse. Um, so we knew that this was brewing, and so they were concerned about me possibly spreading it. And so they put me in timeout with a mask on, and the nurse said in a very stern fashion, you stay right here. We don't want you spreading whatever it is you two have, and you don't move until his nurse comes. And I said, well, she should ask somebody. That just gives me time to come up with a plan. We were not leaving until my husband got tested. Mm. It was that simple. And so um, it's funny, he'll, he'll every once in a while, he'll say, honey, you saved my life. I said, no, Father, Mother, God saved your life. I'm just the angel he dispatched wow. on your behalf because I, I took to heart keeping him well. I did not want him to get admitted, but I also knew that it was like this perfect uh, choice of get admitted and get maybe expert care or go home mm -hmm. and attempt to try to figure it out because it was very new. So as that started to unfold, I made contact with my functional medicine doctor, Jothi Rao in Ellicott City, and she mm. explained in very clear terms, I couldn't get sick. And I said, wow. And she said, you are his primary caregiver. You have to get his immune system recharged. But more importantly, you have to protect yours. Yeah. You've got to get extra rest. I double-dosed vitamin C crystals. I double-dosed vitamin D. I double-dosed probiotics. Mm -hmm. I double-dosed anything that I could think of, fruits and vegetable, organic. And meanwhile, I'm not going to the grocery store. This is all with Instacart. <laughs> yeah. So I, I couldn't leave. I, I couldn't leave him. And more importantly, they told me don't go into any stores. So I really had to work very specifically on protecting my consciousness, my immune system, and more importantly, a caregiver cannot have their lips poked out. They can't because energy follows thought. So if he sees me yeah. walking around like this, what's he going to think? Uh-oh, it must really be bad. So yeah. I went into overdrive. I would come in in the morning and, hey, how you doing today, baby? I was totally <laughs> <laughs> extreme. Um, not to be silly, but.
let him know that I was his cheerleader and I was mm-hmm. there and I was doing everything physically possible. And I was tired, Brittany. There were some days I was falling out at nine o'clock, exhausted, because it was a lot to stay on top of his meds, to make sure he ate. At one point, he was sleeping 20 hours, so I had to make sure he got something in because you can't heal if you don't eat. Mm-hmm. So I was very, very specific and dogged about taking care of him and getting him back to health. And it took about three full weeks for him to feel, feel better, but he's, he's better. He's actually on his way out the door to do a bike ride. That is so he's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is a man who was riding his bike 80, 90, hundred miles every week and to see him bedridden flat on his back, not eating, not talking. It was, it was tough, but, but we were very blessed with his quick recovery and he's feeling great. And that's, I, so I feel like that is so, um, you know, I think at one point there was a narrative that rape, you know, people who were healthy, people who have access to, you know, there was this, there was this assumption that they wouldn't be, you know, impacted, that there's like, they, and so just to hear one, um, how real this was for you all, how even with access, you had to advocate to the extent that you did. Yeah. Like there's obviously yeah. data out there and um, research that supports how, you know, biases persist in healthcare, especially as it relates to Black people, African-Americans and healthcare professionals' perceptions of the care that they need or deserve. And so, you know, I think that's an even real thing to name because that shows up every day, right? That shows up every day, even beyond, beyond the context of COVID. One thing that I heard you say was protecting your consciousness. And I want to spend some time on that because first of all, like I, I think that should, we, we spend a lot of time oftentimes thinking about like the physical, like what it means to protect our physical well-being. And so it it sounded like you protecting your consciousness was part of how you was able to manage and overcome that period in time, but even sort of like the now. And so what does that look like for you? Like protecting your consciousness, right? What is that? What is that? Yeah, it was, it was really tough. Um, It was tough for me mainly because there were so many unknowns. So Mm -hmm. when you, when I think of protecting your consciousness, I think of very specific um, types of self-talk and affirmations that support Mm -hmm. what you're trying to achieve. So for me, um, as an example, I don't acknowledge age as an example, (laughs) uh, because I feel that once you start to acknowledge age, you have bought into a paradigm of depletion. And when Mm -hmm. you buy into a paradigm of depletion, uh, you start to pretty much become that. So I don't think of myself in terms of a 60-year-old woman. I think of myself as a person who has walked this journey for 60 years. Mm -hmm. And for my health paradigm, if you really understand health and you really understand wellness, you can literally recreate the microbiome of your gut in two weeks and that's just by diet and so if you think about on a microscopic level cortisol and all of the things the doctor spoke of last week and the fact that our diet and our stress levels and our sleep patterns and our exercise patterns make up who we are if you're conscious about being not in an obsessive way but just being mindful of incorporating a system of self-care your consciousness will pretty much, in my experience, be okay. It's when you get cut off in traffic, when you have a microaggression that comes towards you, when you have the intersectionality of race and gender 
and, and all of that, sexual identity, all those little things, when they get a little mixed up, that's when all of that gets challenged because that's not what you can quote unquote control. Mm-hmm. So for instance, I saw this doctor, this ER doctor, I saw him. I saw him for who he was. He didn't know any more than I knew about COVID at that point. We were a week into this. But the one thing I was able to do is I connected with him on a medical level. My consciousness told me, speak to him and use everything you ever learned in pharmaceutical sales about the immune system. So I said to him straight up, hey, doctor, with all due respect, I used to sell pharmaceuticals. I sold an injectable antibiotic. I know a little bit about how you treat these bacterial versus viral conditions. Then I took my consciousness up another notch. And I said, <laughs> I know you, you do a lot better dealing with the known versus the unknown, right? And he said, yes. I said, I understand empirical treatments. Empirical treatments mean you're guessing at what the patient has. You don't know. You're awaiting labs or other differential diagnoses. I knew how to talk to talk. And trust and believe, Ms. Brittany, it was coming out because I knew to get what I needed, I had to go into a place in my mind with confidence and unwavering belief that I was going to get this taken care of. And that's how you pretty much have to go through life. You should see my Trello and my Outlook. It looks like seven people's to-do list. But every day I say, I'm going to chip away at it. It's important to get it all done. And in my consciousness, I know I am capable. I just have to be focused. Versus, oh, God, how am I ever going to get all this done? I can't believe I have to do this. I mean, all those things feed into how things end up because energy follows thought. So for me, guarding my consciousness is being very specific about self-talk, very specific about self-care. And I might add, self-care is not indulgent. It is not selfish. It is not bad to want to eat healthy. It is not selfish to want to rest. It might seem that way when you have a little one who's like, mommy, mommy, mommy. Or in the case of my now parents who've gone to heaven, my dad would say, I know I'm waking you up, but. (laughs) So you do have to be prepared to guard that. But um, you do have to be very, very clear about taking care of self. I love it. And so there was a couple things that I heard that I like really want to like lift up. And so one, I love like this and just want to affirm this focus on like what you could control and can control. We've been doing a lot of sessions, Stephanie, um, that are centered around Black people in corporate America in white spaces right now who are like, you know, coping with the impact of sure racism outside, but also within their organizations, like the daily stuff. And one of the things we've been talking about just as a coping strategy is like understanding like what's in your sphere of control and sphere of influence and like really focusing on that because sometimes in, you know, with, you know, well-intentioned, like us wanting to make a difference and do, 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 we're like way outside of our sphere of influence, control, end up um, putting perhaps more on ourselves than we can, um, which can be overwhelming. Another thing that I love in how you described or differentiated age, so like years versus journey. I love that reframe because one of um, one of the coping sort of like strategies that I have been, and it, and it connects back to what you were saying about affirmations, One of the coping strategies that I found helpful is like creating my own narratives about things. And so um, one of the things that oftentimes comes up 
when we are doing sessions specifically with um, Black people who are the like only in a lot of their spaces, they'll say things like, you know, it becomes a burden because it is my responsibility to educate my colleagues or it is my responsibility to speak on behalf of my community. And I offered a, a counter to that in a session and said, your only responsibility is to prioritize, you know, your well-being and your only responsibility or my only responsibility is to educate myself in my community. And if I choose to educate others or if I choose to speak on behalf of others, that's my choice, right? And it gets to that agency piece. And so I think just the um, the emphasis on this mind shift and like talking, you know, self-talk and affirming um, is so, is so, is so important. Um, so important, especially even as we like manage the toll of what we're experiencing now, right? It, it's very, very important. And I have been the only, I was the first black female uh, marketing representative at IBM in 1983. <laughs> I've been the first black in many corporate settings. Mm -hmm. uh, and I never felt the burden to educate. I always felt the burden of what my father said, which is you become what you think about. If you're going to uh -huh. sit over here and worry about what somebody else is thinking, what are you doing? That's not helping you be a productive employee. Mm -hmm. It's not helping you to be a productive teammate. It's not helping you to be a productive person in your journey. So you can only control what you're doing. So that whole narrative piece around the burden, I get that. I totally get that. And I understand that. So a way that I would consider, and, and as I pursue my positive psychology course, uh, coaching certificate, I'm looking at how I give people tools. And one of the tools when we ask people, so what do you want to work on today? And they say, oh, my goodness, my boss is just, I mean, he has a sheet in the trunk. <laughs> and I know code word for devout racist. So mm -hmm. one, one narrative shift, I, I ask for examples. And I always want to ask for examples, not as verification, but I want to hear how the client is experiencing the racism or the mm -hmm. sexism or the whatever. Because sometimes it is literally a matter of how you see things. So my takeaway from most of my life lessons is I see things the way that I am, not necessarily the way that they are. Uh -huh. And so as a person of color, as a female, as a person who's navigating any kind of gender issues, whatever it might be, you know you have a sensitivity, you know you have a viewpoint, you know you have an experience. It's up to you to manage that appropriately and really understand that you can choose to take on certain things. So for me, if somebody makes a general uh, comment about, let's just say, this is just, just terrible, this writing, what these people are doing and those people are doing, and you know, code word for, for minorities, although we know good and well, it is everybody out here, which is beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. But if someone were to take the tact of, I just don't understand why they are or this, that, and the other, I would say um, in the workplace, well, um, I have a question for you. Are you asking me a question or are you telling me what you're observing from the news? I would mm -hmm. just break it down and make them tell me what's going on. Because a lot of these unconscious, I would call them microaggressive jabs. These microaggressive jabs are born out of ignorance. And sometimes mm -hmm. they just want to start something. <laughs> or, they really, or they just don't know. They just don't know. Like at IBM, people would say, I, I find that remarkable. You went to Howard University and you majored in business. You're not a computer scientist. 
You're not a computer information-based systems person. You don't know anything about technology or data processing back then. How did you get a job as a marketing representative? I, they just couldn't get over it. They could not process it. And I was just like, I, I just shrugged my shoulders. I said, yeah, I guess I'm just special. But, you know, deep inside, I'm saying, don't worry, I didn't take your kid's job. <laughs> But but the burden of, of who we are and how we navigate through the workplace and all that, I don't don't take you can truly choose not to take it. You can truly say, you know what, I know they want me to be the spokesperson for all of us, but I'm not doing it. But what I am gonna do is turn it around and say, Are you asking a question? Are you stating your experience? Are you stating an observation? Are you stating something you saw on another network? What exactly are you saying or asking? And then they get I, I like that shift a lot because and it sounds so simple, you know, I am in, in my experience, similarly, um, especially if it's coming from a place of like not knowing, ignorance, what have you, to turn that back on them and one of my favorite phrases will help me understand where that came from. Right. Help me understand exactly. why you have that perspective. It's like right. now you're right. shifting it. I love it. You're shifting that burden. Nope, not my work. That's right. you. Yeah. Not my work. And oh, by the way, it's okay after you finish that interaction to step aside, go to the restroom, go wherever. I don't know how it's going to be set up now with all this workplace uh, reconfiguration, but um, hang up the Zoom. Whatever you need to do, take that space and honor that issue and that conflict. Because sometimes I'll go through a whole day and I'll sit down and say, I really don't like the way that that person spoke to me. Why didn't I address that then? And so the accumulation of your experiences that go unaddressed keep you up at night, give you a tummy ache, increase your cortisol, force you to think negative thoughts, which definitely creates chemical reactions. And so this is what we deal with as a people like none other, because Uh we've been walking through this our entire, our ancestors, how many years? Have we been dealing centuries? Hello. Have we been dealing with the accumulation of all of this? Now that is a burden we cannot minimize. But somebody deciding that they want to say something out of ignorance or maybe even genuine curiosity, whatever, we do not have to take that. We don't. We can just brush it off and say, that's not me. But what is me is really analyzing what I am going through at this time. And I'm not a big journalist. I'm getting better. I, I do like bullet points like my little and it's red so I remind myself to write in it but (laughs) I'm not very good at it it's like a pretty red book right now but I I do try to attack it every every few weeks and what I found is I can do bullet points and get my thoughts out and they call it a brain dump I can get them out and I can go over them and I can be at peace with them I don't have to write the whole day's narrative I can just say boom I got up this morning and I was grateful for getting up and Mark feeling great and me feeling great. Boom. Happy that that client paid me today. Boom. Happy to get that workout in. Boom. Happy to get that 10 minute meditation in. And if you just give yourself those, Hey, affirming uh, statements of gratitude, you'll look up and your whole paradigm has shifted because you're now looking at what's up here versus what's down here. And that's really important. I love this um, this notion of release, right? Because you're right. And I even think about this for myself. Things will happen. And I'm a professional overthinker in general. But like I'll, you know, in, 
things will happen, things will come up, I'll feel triggered, you know, and, you know, feel triggered by it. Uh, and I don't know that I'm as intentional about actually like, you know what, let me stop everything and just be in this. You know, I don't know that that can, and that can't be understated as a coping, you know, a mechanism in and of itself to just like be with however we feel and just even though even if that's crying even if that's like laughing I find myself like listening to music and like crying these days and it's just like after the song is over I'm like oh, that feels so much better um, I had an aunt that used to say crying is a spiritual bath <laughs> I sent the um I sent the since um I don't know if you remember this song um Hold on by sounds of blackness that came up in my oh yeah um, yeah that came up on my um iPhone's playlist this morning and I swear I played was so timely I played it and just played it and just sat there in bed and just was like still and it was so like soul filling like in that moment right just the lyrics and just kind of like being in it and um as small as it was, I thought about like that. You talked about self-care, right? And so I'm actually interested in like what you do for self-care because in that moment I was like, you know what? This is about to be part of my self-care toolbox. Like, let me add this song to my self-care playlist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, so so you, you talked about self-care not being in, you know, it's not self-indulgence. We certainly shouldn't stigmatize it as being selfish. Um, and so what does self-care look like for you? What are some things that you do to continuously um, pour and proactively even pour back into yourself? One of the things I realized the last couple of weeks is I was having dreams that were very unsettling. Um, It was often somebody confronting me wearing a mask, which I'm not sure why that's how it came up. Uh, But when the protests started to ramp up, I wasn't having like violent dreams. I was having dreams that were very pensive around the state of the world. I have a 26-year-old son and a 30-year-old daughter, and they're both very involved. Um, both, I, I encourage them to be careful um, and, and journal, post, do things that are a little bit more, and read, that are a little bit more out of the um, limelight because my son lives in Seattle, which had a lot of issues last week, and my daughter's here locally. So I said, I want you to get out there. I want you to do what you have to do, but just be careful. I'm a mom. You know, I don't want to encourage my kids to become harmed in any way. So in having those conversations, in having the narrative of that, I think there was just like a subconscious concern that was going through my, my mind or my subconscious. So my dreams were very, very specific. And then I started to think about, well, wait, is this happening because I'm watching television too late? Uh, I awaken to things. Um, and immediately turn on the Today Show or whatever, CBS, Good Morning America, and then I see it. And so, you know, what you go to sleep uh, to and how you awaken, those two bookends of information can pretty much predict your day. And that's been, that's been proven um, because the filters are not there. You don't have the filters when you go to sleep. Okay. So you really have to be careful. And so that's number one. I really try to protect what I put into my consciousness. Number two sleep. And they're now finding that sleep or lack thereof is so detrimental over time. It's really bad and everything is keeping us up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've learned to turn my phone off about 10 or so at night and I turn it on when I'm ready to turn it on. And and then my kids know, call Mark if you need something. Mm -hmm. Because I don't, 
I, I can't risk it. I have to sleep. I, I have to. Um, the other thing I'm really trying to be more conscious of is, is consistent mindfulness. I was a meditator for many, many years, and I realized I do my best when I do 20 minutes twice a day, but I don't always have that luxury. And so sometimes I will just take 15 minutes to be mindful. And um, I'm, I'm grateful that I now have that, that as a built-in practice. Um, one of my good friends who also works in the area of wellness, um, Tina Scott Lasseter, she said, if it gets to be too much, just take 10 deep breaths. Mm. And that often is all you need to do. Because when you become mindful of the breath, you become mindful of the moment. Mm. And when you become mindful of the moment, you can tap into what's going on. We have developed such as a society such deep filters ingrained in us that we just let things slide away, move away. We're totally disconnected. And then we go to bed with a headache or we can't sleep or we awaken in the middle of the night with a remuneration of to-dos or emotions or feelings. And that all deludes our ability to be stable and balanced and more importantly, creates dis-ease, which turns into disease. So the last two are pretty obvious, exercise and nutrition. Everybody knows you are what you eat. When your mm-hmm. grandmama said that, she meant it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and people really have to understand. I'm, I'm learning so much through my uh, doctor, Dr. Rao, whom I mentioned earlier. We had a visit yesterday, and we do a checkup twice a year virtually and in person. And she's explaining now that the base of the microbiome is everything. It's our immune system. It's our ability to become depressed. It regulates everything about us. So to have the healthy bacteria in the gut, have a healthy variety of foods, a healthy variety of fiber. She's really into fiber. I just bought this fiber book. Um, And they're now saying that they took a diet of Africans, I'm not sure which country, and African-Americans and switched their diets. In two weeks, the microbiome was completely different. So the Africans who had the best balance of the healthy bacteria, then it got depleted. And I don't remember all the names, and they're long, but I'll, I will um, post that if you'd like me to in the study as well. But the point oh, yeah. is that we can change our bodies in a short amount of time. And so self-care is about understanding we don't have to be perfect all the time. I ate a Burger King today because I was driving from Philly, and I had no, they were out of the Impossible Burger. I almost had a fit. But I know that, that fast food is not the best choice, but sometimes, depending, it's your only choice. So what do you do on those days? Double up your vegetables. Double up your fruit. Take some extra. Um, don't beat yourself up. It happens. It's just, it's just life. But to the best of your ability, do what you can to create a healthy lifestyle with plenty of healthy fruits and vegetables, plenty of rest, healthy water, healthy thoughts. So, um, and, um, so, so a couple of things came up for me as you were speaking, and this is why nutrition is such nutrition and even like access to nutrition is, is such a justice issue because I even think about like, yeah. you know, is it just in and of itself, how important that is. And even hearing you say it yet, so few, um, there are many communities who don't even have access or at least immediate access to it. Right. For, for reasons like, you know, racism, um, right. And then I also think about um, what you said about just like rest and sleep. I have been following this account on Instagram called the Nap Ministry, and the mm. essence of it—it's so interesting. So, in you know, especially in this grind culture, 
where like grind culture and like even in the context of like you know when your work is your passion there is this overemphasis of like do 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 like grind grind yeah. grind 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 even like I don't know if you've ever heard it but there was like a hashtag that was glorified called hashtag team no sleep team no day oh yeah 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 well that yeah that's uh I'm gonna and you said it's called the nap what is it the nap ministry and their work oh, is all around cute. like advocating for I rest. love it. I'm going to write it down. Wow, right? that is beautiful. Rest that as an is act of resistance. I love that. And and the hashtag no sleep. So, um, <laughs> oh, I have so much to say about that. <laughs> That'll, that, that will work until maybe you're about 40 years old. Maybe. If you're lucky. And then, <laughs> And this is and this is the order in which it will probably show up generally when you start to see the effects of it. Mm-hmm. It will show up in the form of acne, constipation, irritability, uh-huh. you, gas, because you're not mm-hmm. eating uh, according to your circadian rhythm. Um, then it will eventually be insomnia and then autoimmune disease. That's generally how it progresses. And that's based on my studies. I'm not a doctor, but um, I've spent most of my life in some area of holistic health, uh, either studying Ayurveda, just different types of health systems to get an understanding of what the smartest, most able communities and cultures and civilizations in some instances were able to achieve by taking care of the body. It is no mystery that we need sleep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that might get you through for a while, but it'll, it'll show up and it won't be pretty. It will not be pretty. So uh, to those of you who want to stay up, and I, I don't have any problem with you doing your life, but go to sleep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Turn off whatever, video games, music. Uh, I, I just feel like over time, the effects are just not good. It is just not. And especially for people of color. Because remember, we already have added stress just walking around being black. Just that alone, our blood pressure is higher, our cortisol levels are higher, our metabolism can, is generally lower because we're not sleeping as much. We have so many basic biological, physiological mm-hmm. systems that are not at an optimal level, coupled by access to healthy foods. And I, I meant to address, I want to acknowledge, I understand that is a privilege that I have and I get it, and I get that the sacrifices that I've made, not everybody is able to make. Um, but, but so, for instance, Instacart. I was told not to go to the grocery store, and I followed that to the letter. I was told to double up my organic fruits and vegetables, and I was able to do so. Mm-hmm. I want to acknowledge that I realize not everybody can do that. But there are simple things that people can do that are cost-effective, and I have learned by talking to people. There are tabletop filters that you can buy, just regular old water, tabletop filters that you can buy, filter your own water. That's free. Filter it twice. That's free, as opposed to sodas and juices. As an example, an average of 400 calories less per day. It doesn't cost more to broil versus fry your foods. It doesn't cost to steam vegetables versus fry or throw the oil and butter on them. And so there's just preparation techniques that you're already doing. You can just make a shift. Yeah. Yeah. As an example. Yeah. And that's why I've, and I've seen this more 
um, one thing, and we're going to get into like silver linings in a bit. One thing that I have tracked, especially just, and obviously like my social media feed is like limited to communities that I'm exposed to and like people that I follow, but I have right. seen this like groundswell of black folks across the spectrum of like generations starting to tap into or tap back into things like, you know, um, gardening and like growing their own yeah. like, foods. I've seen like members of, uh, you know, black folks, um, um, like really prioritizing things like just repro meditation, right. You know, kind of just like tapping back into those things that I believe are inherent to, you know, inherent to who we are and like, um, that we can get distracted from because of the just like messiness and you know problematic nature of the world that we live in and so i see that as like a silver lining i've even had people hit me up so um i'm a part of a lot of mom groups and like mm -hmm. i have some mom friends getting together and like building out curriculum that is like centered around just like the black experience and like empowering our oh, kids. That's great. All of that's these great. That's when I think awesome. about your minds, like that, it's like all these mind, right? Mindset shifts. How do we use our power, our experiences, our collective knowledge and consciousness to like pour back into ourselves? I think that's a huge silver lining. And so I wonder for you, what are some of like the the silver linings, right? Um, that have come out of this moment in time. Or maybe even in a follow-up to that, like, what else do you want to see come from um, sort of like this moment in time that we're experiencing? Well, the first thing I'm very mindful to do regularly is to give thanks. Mm -hmm. And my silver lining, my most valuable silver lining is my husband being healthy. Uh, because that's not something that I could have banked mm -hmm. on when we were in the midst of it. I just didn't know. There was, like I said, so many unknowns. We didn't know. So to get through it, be on the other side, and be able to speak about it and affirm and give immense gratitude is the number one silver lining. Number two, as I said, I was in the travel and entertainment business. Uh, I worked, my main client um, was um, a theme cruise, you know, 3,000 people packed in a ship. Well, unfortunately, that might be corrected. I don't know what's going to happen. There are many unknowns. I just don't mm -hmm. know. So while I was sitting there going, okay, <laughs> what's going to happen? My branding manager said about those stories that I've been encouraging you to tell and about that brand we've been talking about relative to mindset management. I think your post going viral on Facebook, now's the time. And the Facebook post was largely about people understanding that they could get people sick. That's it. I told mm -hmm. my story, told my husband's story. I said, please, please, please listen, pay attention. This is an educational video to help you understand. 32,000 views. I could have never wow. have guessed wow. that the Wall Street Journal called Diane Sawyer. Wow. I was on her ABC special. I've been interviewed by HUR, HUTV. I mean, it's just been a blessing to tell my story. And as you can see, I like to talk. So it's I'm been it. like the perfect, the perfect mix of me loving what I love to do and my vocation now becoming my advocation. And mm -hmm. so that was a really, really big, big thing. And so my brand Shift with Steph, which is about shifting your narrative, shifting your mindset, shifting your consciousness is doing really, really well. And I should be a certified positive psychology coach by the end of the year. So I'm really, really excited about that. And I just want to bring all of that experience forward to communities, organizations, families, because we are going to have some scars mm -hmm. and we don't really know the depth of those scars. Oh, we don't know. We thought we just had COVID scars, but now we have 
the whole racism, I'm calling it a remodeling. Um, and so I've taken on the challenge of reaching out to corporations and saying, okay, you pledge this amount of money. What does that mean? Mm. And so, and I mean, what does that mean? I don't mean it's a line item on a budget. I mean, uh-huh. name your organization. Who in your company is going to go out and work the food banks? Who in your organization is going to clean up the streets after these riots? Who in your organization is going to fund mental health and advocacy and support for those who have been affected by COVID? Because COVID, in my husband's case, we were really, really fortunate. He didn't need any support necessarily, but there are people who are coming home off of respirators who are weak, who still can't breathe, who still can't walk. And guess what? The type of services for which they would have normally qualified, like some sort of a therapist to come into the home, therapists aren't doing that. They don't want to come to a house full of potentially COVID people. They don't want to do it. And so they're having to figure it out on their own. So Mm -hmm. I want to be able to assist in that process and create a network of willing participants who will support people via Zoom, YouTube, whatever modality to say, hey, let's just do some exercises. Let's test your breathing. Everybody has a pulse oximeter. It's 20 bucks to basically test your respiration rate uh, or your your, um, actual O2 sat. Um, It's a new toy that everybody seems to have. And so a respiratory therapist can check in and see how you're breathing. A physical therapist can see how you're doing your exercises because those are the types of services many COVID patients are going to need. So I want to move the agenda forward to provide a network of support folks to get over the post-traumatic stress of COVID if they had that type of an effect, to work in organizations around collective empathy, Mm -hmm. to work around what we're now dealing with, which is basically a dismantling of life as we knew it in a number of ways. Um, I'm listening to you speak and I'm like, it's a wonderful example of using your story um, and tapping into your inherent like power to really make a difference sort of beyond just beyond you know what one can even imagine right and so even just to hear when you did that Facebook post like you're kind of just like sharing a Facebook post and to have reached that many people based off your story um that's so powerful and um as we uh, uh come to the tail end of our discussion I wonder if you have any other like just sort of like parting words of encouragement for folks who are really looking to tap into that power, looking to use their stories, um, whatever they are, to like make a difference. Um, how do they come closer to, to realizing that, especially in the way where they can make a difference and make an impact um, how they wish, right? Uh, right, right. Well, I'm a big action item person. I'm a doer, I'm a creator, I'm a producer. Uh, So I've been encouraging people to write down for the next 10 days, three emotions they're feeling. Because one of the things we kind of get stuck with is just by, by pushing things under the rug, we get into a system, as I said, of just ignoring where we are. So Mm. let's just start right now. Today I'm feeling sad, overwhelmed and hurt. And so take those three feelings, and what does that sadness feel like? What color is that sadness? What does it feel like? Is it heavy? Is it light? Is it a disabling kind of, of sadness? I, I would like to put 
what we would call senses to feelings because when you, I have had sadness that was yellow and I didn't know why. And then when I spoke with my spiritual coach about it, she said it's healing sadness because yellow is a healing color. And I was like, oh, I never thought of that. Like, how does that work? She said, I can't tell you how it's going to work for you, but I know that yellow is a very high vibrational color and so when you had the, the sadness of my father passing last year and it was yellow, she's like, you're healing. You're getting through it. It's going to be okay. And that yellow lasted for about three weeks when I was thinking of my dad. And so I just started to understand if I give it color, if I give it shape, if I give it weight, if I give it some kind of a dimension, I can handle it. It's very interesting how that concept works. And so when you really drill down to those three emotions and three from a, a significance of numerology, Three is the number of self-expression and manifestation. And so if you really think about three things consistently, they're working themselves out for you. I know this might be a little (laughs) woo-woo, but but it works. I'm writing this stuff down, (laughs) y'all. It works. And so do that for 10 days, and you will start to process things. And processing is what we have to do to get through this. And I want to just address this whole ally movement. A lot of people are going back and forth and back and forth about who should care and who should speak and who should this. So here's my take on that. So I am obviously African-American. I'm about to have a Caucasian son-in-law. What kind of mother would I be if I told him, no, 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 no. You stand back and let my daughter lead the charge. They're a couple. They're about to be married. I cannot tell anybody to push somebody forward if they're a unified couple. They stand together. They should fight together. It's not my place to tell people who are non-BIPOC, no, 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 you go over there. That's not what this is about. If they want to be an ally, explain to them what an ally looks like for you. Not all of us, because it's different. Say, to me, being an ally is calling me up and saying, like my coach did, look, I'm not black. I don't understand, but I will always stand with you. Are you okay? Do you want to have a coaching session? We can talk about whatever you want. It doesn't have to be a coaching session. I just want to hear what it's about. That, to me, was a very heartfelt, spiritual, deep movement on her part. She's not trying to solve any problems. She's trying to stand by me. If you're an ally, yes, you must educate yourself. Yes, please read White Fragility. Yes, please read everything you can about white privilege. Please read all those books. It's important. These are the prerequisites. Read all of them. Read, read them all. I got a list of them. I posted. These are things you need to do. Okay. But more importantly, what you need to do is be real about being what an ally is because I don't want the word ally to just be a word. I want it to be an action. I want it to have some, some momentum about it. I decided that I, I was, I, I was um, able to see a little bit of the protest under 12th Street on Saturday. And I saw Koreans for for Black Lives Matter. And I didn't even, I I was blown away. I said, wow, I need to go learn more about that community. It never dawned on me that I would see that sign. Never. A group, not an individual. I said to myself, I need to reach out to people that don't look like me as well. We all need to. We all need to. So that would be my final final words. Reach out to someone that doesn't look like you. Write down three, three feelings for 10 days and, and understand this. And this is actually the most important thing. Any change that you are willing to make to improve yourself is worth it. Mm. Whether it's self-care, more rest, 
telling your friends, boo, I cannot text you past 11. I need to go to bed. Boundaries. It's okay. It's okay to take care of yourself. It is not egoic to want to live well. That's so good. That is so good. Um, and I mean, you're right. There is, there's a, there's a, there's so much conversation around. We, we've been delivering, you know, um, content around allyship and one framing. And I want to echo what you said is an allyship or an ally rather is not necessarily something to be. It really is about doing. It really is about action. And um, I'm on, you know, and, and, and that looks different. That looks differently for different communities. And I, and one of the things that I find, at least for myself, to be unique about this moment in time is how many are actively stepping up to uh, do the work, right? Do the work. Which is yeah, it's really refreshing to see the breadth and depth of the people out there protesting. It really it warmed my heart in a way which I was I was uh, blown away by it. it. It really it was nice to see. It was nice to see people in the trenches in the totality of what that really means. Someone said um, on our lab, Shavara, um, we did a public virtual learning lab um, a couple days ago. And she said, this rage is righteous. And that makes me think mm. about mm -hmm, this rage is righteous. And I think a lot of it like has that. to do with and echoes uh, much of what we've shared on this call, like our power, um, our experiences, um, our feelings and processes, like how we process it. All of that influences, right? Like what we're feeling and rage and um righteous right um yeah they're having to use that to make a difference ah, it's, it's super important it's really important so i would uh tell you number one this has been an immense pleasure thank you so much for giving me the opportunity please if anybody wants to reach out um i'm at shift with, uh shift it can't get it out shift with step on instagram and facebook and um, I also have a website, shiftwithstep.com, if you want to get in touch with me, because I'm available to talk. I'm available to oh, dialogue. I'm available to uh, help and assist and grow. That's what this is about, because people help me grow just as they say I help them grow. So that's what's most important. And I'm a loving person. I'm a supportive person. I am a person who was put on this planet to move the collective consciousness forward. And if you could send me all that contact information, we are going to throw that, your links um, with the episode. Folks, it's been okay. wonderful. Perfect. Stephanie, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank, thank you. Round of applause. Maybe we can insert that in. It has been an immense pleasure. Thank you so much.